Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. That's a great way to start a night on joy, isn't it? <laughs> no, seriously, it is a great way to start a night on joy. Uh, because we can live in the illusionary, let's all pretend everything's fine, or we can actually push things a little bit to the end of uh, where some of us sit fully and where some of us sit somewhere between there and, uh, and where joy lives and yet love for joy and yet, you know, that can be either at some points or uh, maybe totally for some people uh, your experience. I also find it interesting that um, on the weekend that we're dealing with this subject in the traditional church calendar, it's the beginning of Lent which is not the happiest of times. It's all about denial and uh, giving stuff up and uh, suffering and misery. Uh, But we're talking about joy. Um, I think my guess is that um, we're all looking for joy which runs deep and lasts. And whichever way we come at it, and I, I can come at it from a certain perspective because I was... Um, not just raised in church, as in, you know, some people are taken to church, but raised, you know, up to the eyeballs in all that it meant to be raised in a, in a Pentecostal church and environment. And um, uh, I was very much schooled in the issue of, I told you last week, the first song that came in my head when we were thinking about this was Room for Business, Room for Pleasure. But for Christ the crucified, not a place that he can enter in the heart for which he died. And the whole premise was that um, in this search for joy, it was almost like there could be no joy in life or in the reality of life or in the embracing of life. The joy was found in what you managed to give up and not give yourself. And so it was joyful because you'd succeeded in denying yourself what we called the pleasures of the world. And... uh, Probably wasn't actually a lot of joy in that, but uh, we had good songs about it. You know, joy, joy, my heart is full of joy. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, and uh, so on and so forth. But um, what is interesting as I, you know, began to look at this just to introduce this evening is that um, uh, when you look, look at um, the usage of words in the Bible, um, in the New International Version, which we tend to use quite a lot sometimes, the New King James Version. Um, In the New International Version, sorrow is mentioned 37 times, and despair is mentioned 12 times, and uh, the New International Version is the top Bible for how many numbers of times this is mentioned, but so so 49 times total it mentions sorrow and despair. However, it mentions joy 222 times. Joyful 16 times and rejoice 133 times. 
which, which leaves a grand total of 371 mentions of joy, joyful and rejoice. I, I would guess from that, sometimes it doesn't sink in, and I'm one of the worst for this, I would guess from that, and sometimes you wouldn't believe it, but the underlying message of Scripture is one of joy, joyfulness and rejoicing, and that, and that if we're not finding that, when we're not finding what it really is that this is about. So I, I would go as far as to say that we can measure our grasp of true spirituality in connection with God the divine by the extent of the joy that we experience. So I'll be honest and say that makes me not real spiritual, you know. Um, for the EOs that are in here, that kind of says we've got quite a big quest for joy, but the tendency is we can think that that is our portion and that somehow joy is outside of our reach. I would propose to you that the good news of Scripture and also in Christ, even though we have the, what is the horror of the cross, but it talks about for the joy that was in, set before him, Jesus endured that, something beyond and beside that, that, that a quest for joy is a very, a very good thing that we should be engaged in and probably need to do more so. So Chris is going to say a few things about what I think are important elements of this um, tonight as we kind of piece this together. But what is, what is the reality is that actually as people we are hardwired for negativity. Uh, and the reason we're hardwired for negativity is because negativity is related to survival. And, uh, and the pessimist like me could ask the question... Has joy ever saved you from anything? Anytime you were in trouble, when did joy ever save you from that trouble? Oh, things were going really bad, but joy stepped in and saved me. You know, we, we're just not wired that way, and yet joy potentially is the greatest saviour for us in the process of life. See, but the, the, there's the problem we face, and I'm just laying this out. Survival doesn't work through joy. Therefore, the problem is we're trying to survive rather than thrive. Yes. And, uh, and um, uh, negativity is about surviving. Joy is about thriving. So that would suggest we've got a lot of survivors in here tonight. And really what our endeavor is to turn us from survivors to thrivers. Yes. Okay, so we seem geared to focus on the negative, um, and the problem with that is that gives us a tendency to maximize suffering and minimize joy. So we can always talk about all the stuff that's going wrong, all the stuff that's hurting us, all the stuff that's gone amiss, all the problems that have happened in our life, because that focus makes us maximize suffering and minimize joy, and we will try and tip the balance in your thinking if we can tonight. Um, and maybe, just maybe, that's the very area that we all need a transformation. So I hope that we can find it tonight. Right. So how do we beat the caveman? It's okay, don't worry. There's no caveman going to be beaten up tonight. But if it's true that we are fundamentally tilted towards negativity, then like Anne said, a transformation has to happen. 
I think this is a wonderful picture of being born again or being saved or enlightened or awakened. Whichever word suits your understanding, it speaks of this level of transformation. So as it's been said, the first role of our brain is safety and survival. It's a good thing. But do we just want to survive or do we want to thrive? So to help you, I offer what I'm going to call the gap theory to apply daily to your life in order that we might fight our natural instincts and to help you who do a lot of travelling, Danny has designed a London underground thing uh, theme that we're going to call Mind the Gap. Does that work for you? Nice uh, underground uh, logo there. Three steps that you can apply. Now, I don't know whether you are people who like to be given instruction because you think, if you can tell me how to do this, I'll give it a go. So we're going to try that tonight. Okay. So I'm going to start in the middle, though. We've got three of them all in a row. Three, yeah. Can we have the next slide? Give me the one in the next, please, as well. Because I'm starting in the middle. Right. You can put the other one on as well. There, right. The gap, you see? Gratitude, awareness, perspective. But we're going to start in the middle. Awareness. Awareness. Are we aware? Do you know most of the time you actually operate in what's called wandering mind default setting? Not focused mind. 80% of the time you're wandering. You aren't focused at all. That means most of us, it's a wonder we don't drop over cliffs. You know, often, because that's what we're doing, okay? Awareness, but here, just for a little bit of fun. Tell yourself, I am not a caveman, and this I am facing is not a tiger. That's quite simple, eh? Say after me, I am not a caveman, and this I am facing is not a tiger. Okay, I want you to put it on post-stick notes and I want you to put it on your bathroom first thing on the morning. I want you to put it on your coffee maker. I want you to put it on the dashboard of your car. I want you to put it uh, on your computer screen somewhere where you can remind yourself you're not having to operate in survival brain mode because you're not a caveman and you aren't facing a tiger that's about to kill you in a bush. Now that seems so obvious, but we've been told that where our brain lies is in this very, very primeval way of being. And we're trying to help you with that tonight. So, awareness. Next, gratitude. I know we've gone back to number one, but we have to make it work here. Gratitude. Velcro the positives. Did you know that the ratio of good that we need to counteract bad or positive and negative is five to one? Just let that sink in. Five to one. You need five positive things to happen to you in your life every day to push out one negative uh, uh, effect. Now that to me is unbelievable. So here's the thing. You have to think about how we can add to our lives the positive things rather than not noticing them. See, we're back to awareness. Most of the time we live in this wandering brain, which means we're not taking notice of the wonderful things that are happening all around us all of the time. Now, positive things slip off like a Teflon pan. Negative things 
stick. Now, it should be the other way around, but we're back to this negative uh, bias that we all have. So we've got to do something about it. Now, listen to me. This means if you want to see more joy in your life, it means you will have to put in effort. Say after me, effort. Oh, no, Chris. Oh, no. Oh, do I have to? Yes, you will have to work harder. You will have to work smarter. You will have to put in effort because your natural brain will be negative all by itself. But if you want to find joy, you're going to have to do some work. Oh, can you say already? Shall we just go? Oh. We have to. But you see how much do you want it? See how much do you want it? Sorry, let me find where I was. So, it takes many small positive experiences to tip the scales. Think of it this way. We each have an emotional cup that is constantly being filled by life's experience, uh, experiences. It will either overflow with despair or it will overflow with joy. It just depends what you're putting in to the pot. Now, it, they reckon that it takes, you have to look at a positive thing even longer. It's amazing. Why would we think we would have to look and stop and be aware of a positive thing? They reckon up to 20 seconds more you have to think about a positive thing than a negative one. The negative one just does all the work by itself. You're going to have to work if you want some joy in your heart. So how can we do this? If we want to survive, uh, not survive, but thrive rather. So how about we create a journal that counts daily blessings. Now, the first glance of the morning, when you open your eyes, what do you see? I don't know, some people are not morning people. But I promise you, if you start your morning off in a very negative way, I can guarantee that you will attract the negative, just like those Velcro things like we were talking about. So, what are you going to do? How about the first cup of coffee? How about the giggle you have as you're looking at Facebook and seeing some wonderful little memes that just encourage you? Put them in your emotional cup. Get that cup starting filled up with wonderful, joyful things that actually have meaning. And you'll say, oh, well, it's no big deal, really, is it? It's like, well, what does it really matter? It does. And we have to be very effortful in what we put in our cups. So appreciate those, laugh, those moments of laughter, the things you share with your friends. Appreciate them as though they're happening for the first time. And also, now see, some might argue with me here, but we talk about not living in the past and it's right not to dwell in the past because the present moment is the most important thing. But sometimes to recount the things that we've enjoyed, the wonderful experiences, and to say, oh, do you remember when? And you bring it back to memory and you talk about it and you laugh as though it was a moment ago. That will fill your cup and take it to the brim and it'll start overflowing with joy rather than anything else. Now, I'd like to find a word, and some of you might help me with this, but a bucket list is a list of things you want to achieve before you quote, kick the bucket, right? But I would like a name for a list of things that we're not seeking to do before we kick the bucket, but we're actually celebrating. These are the things in my life that I am proud of. 
Don't you think that that would change our attitude towards the day? So I'd like a name, I don't know what, a basket list, I don't know. I mean, anybody got any ideas, you can, you can throw them at me anyway. But what are the things in your life that you, that, that you have? I, am, I look at my kids and I am proud of my kids. Just one thing, I love them to bits. Warts and all, I love them and I'm proud of them. And I'm not thinking, oh, I'd like them to be this or I'd like them to be that. I am just proud of my children. You see what I mean? And it fills, starts filling up the cup of joy. So, count your blessings. Perspective. Last one. Can you see the gap theory coming? Mind the gap. How do you see life? Are you a half full person or a half empty person? What is the story that you keep telling yourself? Is joy not on the menu? If it isn't, then put it on the menu. We go to Pizza Express quite regularly and Anne's got a favourite uh, thing and they keep taking it off the menu. But do you know what he does? He goes and he says, I want cabanara pizza, please. And they say, well, it's not actually on the menu. He says, yeah, but I'm sure you can do it for me, can't you? Are you with me? What is it that you want on the menu? Put it on the menu. Anyway, just a little idea there and me, things going funny. Right. Now, this is an interesting thing. If you have a bowl of water and you drop a one, just one drop of black ink into that bowl, when you look at that at the start, look how black it is. And it goes into the water. And if we were to say that moment is catastrophic because the black against the clear water is so contrasting. But if you stand back and watch for a few moments, the ink begins to dissolve into the overwhelming amount of clean water that exists in the bowl. And that is what the grace and the love of God do for us all every day. And it never runs out. So here's the thing, perspective. Things are never as bad as they first seem. When the black ink goes into the bowl, it's pretty stark. But within moments, it starts to, to dissipate. So, if you will dwell on the blackness of the moment, then that's all you will see. But it will disappear from sight if you just allow a few moments. So, to beat the cave man brain, we're going to mind the gap... We're going to be grateful, we're going to be aware, and we're going to change our perspective, and let's fill up our emotional cup with good things until that cup overflows with joy. Just um, for those of you who felt greatly intimidated by Danny's sheet, I've got another one for those who... <laughs> Just, you know, like in a horse race, you have a handicap in the race because some people have got an advantage. Well, for, the, for those who come a little more from the EOS perspective, this, try and fill this sheet, okay? Give it, give it your best shot. If you can manage 50%, we might even consider giving you a prize, but it's probably just reattaching your tail. So, um, in this film, The Bucket List, you know, isn't it sad that um, very often in the context of life, it, it 
it comes at the end of life trying to fit into life the things that we hope we had done in our life, but now realize that we're running out of time to pursue those things. And Chris mentioned the question there, you know, what's the opposite to a bucket list? You know, I don't know. What is the opposite? The cheerful cup, the, the praise pot, the wellness well. Um, how about the hose of happiness? Spraying it everywhere. I don't know. Just, but, but we should have something to which we're committed that's just as important to us as, as the bucket list can be to some people because that sends a hidden message. The hidden message is that we, we are spending our life trying to run from death. We, we, because when we talk about trying to fit stuff in, what we're really saying is we're trying to run from this thing called death that's, that's chasing us down. We're trying to delay and sanitize the inevitable. And the problem is that, that we're trying to medicate the negative by chasing something down. So, so those questions, have you found joy in your life? Quite challenging, isn't it? Has or does your life bring joy? Has it brought joy to others? I found it also interesting that Chris mentioned about, you know, in, in psychology, the ratio of um, positive to negative on the caveman thing is five to one. Well, I was just doing a quick, quick look at um, when we talked about how many verses in Scripture talk about uh, sorrow and sadness and how many talk about joy and uh, joyfulness and all that. And the ratio there is seven to one. So even in the Bible, you've got a seven to one ratio of joy to sorrow that's dealing with joy that will get it into you. Now, there's a verse in the Psalms that, that I was raised with that was kind of the... Um, our approach to joy was a certain way, you know, and I think there were some great positives in there. Um, but there were also some things in that, that in some ways were anti-joy because it was steering us away from things that in many ways were harmless. I, I'd never even been to watch a film at, at, the, at the pictures until, until I was 16, and then I sneaked in. And, uh, and felt terrible about it afterwards. You say, well, what was all that about? Because some of you were never raised that way. You know, one of the jokes we heard since is that it, it's not called the sin for nothing. <laughs> and uh, I must admit, I did grow up with this idea from, from my kind of Christian background that, that some of those things, if you did them, were just so terrible that, you know, and, and somehow the balance of the whole thing had gotten out to where... Um, there wasn't a lot that you could chase that, in essence, just made you one with people and one with life and one with joy amidst all the other stuff that it brought. And this was one of the verses I was raised. In the presence of the Lord, or in your presence, is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, the pleasures forevermore. Now, of course, what that meant for me was in church, right? In the presence of the Lord in church fullness of joy, or the place you came to through prayer. I, I've come to see that a little bit differently um, in, in recent years, in that when it says in your presence is fullness of joy, the truth is that God is always present. So therefore, in the present is fullness of joy. The problem most of us have, whether we were raised in church or out of church, is that we don't live in the present and so that we don't have fullness of joy because we fail to live in the present and understand that within it something is going on that ultimately 
believe it or not, the joy will outweigh the sorrow. So it's the place where you're no longer chasing, but you're just being who you were always meant to be within the place you were always meant to live. Now, um, there's a place called home. There's a good movie that has that song in it, There's a Place Called Home. Um, there's a story in the Bible of, of a father who has two sons. It's, it's known as the prodigal son, but that's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous title because it kind of says... One of the boys had got it all screwed up, but the other boy was okay, when actually both the boys were terribly screwed up. One was the church kid like me, the other one was the wild kid like... (laughs) Some other people. And uh, the story basically is, Dad's house, everything's good, but the boy wants to go and kind of check things out. What I love about it, and, and learn this about God... I kind of never knew this for years because I, I, I thought this would never be it. But, but when the young boy, the son, comes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance, I want my money so I can go and do my thing. Biblical terms, I love it, to make merry with my friends. Um, you don't read that his dad argued with him. What you read is his dad just gave him the money because it's like, son, if you've got to go work this out, if you've got to go do your thing to work this out, then off you go. There was no condemnation, no judgment. So the boy kind of goes off to, to, to do his thing. Uh, the, the opposite to that is that there's an older brother. There's also an older brother in there. The, the older brother's the one who's always doing, thinks he's always doing the jobs and doing the stuff that nobody else will do. And, and he, his word to his dad is, I've been here all the time. I never left. You know, I've been at every meeting, I've, I've, been, I've done every job, I, I've, 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 I've read every word of scripture, I've prayed and I have fasted. He's that kind of kid. The other one's like, well, I just got to go do. See, both of them were just as lost. Both of them were just as lacking in joy. And both of them were trying to medicate a problem by doing stuff that they thought would bring them joy, but ultimately for neither of them had the kind of joy that the father wanted them to have. If you're ultra-religious and think by doing lots of stuff like reading Bible, on your knees, praying, fasting, if you're the other type that think, I just got to go and chase everything that makes me tick, neither of those will bring you the lasting joy because there's a place of centeredness, there's a place of wholeness that we all need and the Bible calls it home. And you can be Doing all the stuff, not know what home is, and you can be out wherever, not knowing what home is. But home is this wonderful place where you have unconditional love, acceptance, and belonging. And that's what we're all looking for. You know, some of you have gone and done all kinds of stuff. Some of you have stayed and been stuff. But that's the place we're all looking for, and that's where true joy is actually found. Neither had the true joy that comes only from being centred. Uh, I also love the fact that the Bible uses the image of an overflowing cup as an illustration of centered joy. An overflowing cup is the result of a persistent inpouring or, or an inward gushing. But when something's overflowing, something's continuing to flow from somewhere. It's either getting poured in or it's gushing from the inside out. True joy is when you have an overflowing cup. And uh, thousands of years ago, a guy called David wrote this amazing psalm called Psalm 23, which you'll probably be familiar with, the Lord is my shepherd. And in that, he says, my cup overflows. 
Oh, for those of you who've been around a little longer, my cup runneth over. Now, I suppose runneth over sounds a bit more exuberant than just overflows, doesn't it? A runneth over cup. I have a runneth over cup. My cup runneth over. But it's this picture that he was giving when we find that place of centeredness that is not, does not come from chasing stuff. And again, let me just say on that, sometimes, for example, if we feel we were denied our youth, we can go chasing stuff, thinking if we chase that stuff, what we become by chasing that stuff will give us lasting joy. But it never does. Or we can be so afraid that we don't chase any stuff and it doesn't give lasting joy because there's a place of lasting joy that we find in that centeredness in finding who we are truly under the divine and him in us and us in him. And out of that, there is a fullness and overflow. That, I believe that cup is the cup of pure joy. Now, two more things, then, then I'll shut up. One, this really struck me when we were looking at this. We all need to be more intentional about cultivating joy. We, we don't spend enough time focused on cultivating the joy in our lives. When you cultivate something, you cultivate it because you know in cultivating it, you make it grow. And so we don't always see joy as something that if we cultivate it, it will grow and become more joyful. But that's what we need to do when we cultivate that sense of belonging and, 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 and that sense of acceptance and that sense of being one with the divine. Our cup running over as we cultivate that, cultivate that that's when that also grows. So, time's gone, but um, I put this question down. Are you medicating or meditating. Now there's two reasons I did that. Number one, I couldn't think of a better rhyming word than meditating to go with medicating. And so I thought, well, it, it rhymes with medicating and, and it begins with an M. So it's got to have some value. But actually, there is something about this because for all of us, ultimately our joy hinges on a mindset. It hinges on a mindset. And what we've tried to do with you tonight is show you that we have a mindset. All the way from Eeyore's in the beginning through the thing that Chris talked about in Mind the Gap. And what's that, what's that thing you talked about with the brain? It's the negativity bias. All of those things are a mindset. But I love the way the, the scripture, the Bible in its wisdom says that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what we're looking for today is that as you set your thoughts in a different place, a transformation takes place. And when we have that transformation, we then have the open avenue for joy to flow from within and for joy to flow in. And what I'm looking for is joy that flows in and joy that flows from within. And that's why here's what the Apostle Paul said in finishing. He said, so set your thoughts on things above. Now, again, from my background, that meant kind of imagining God on a throne and angels floating round. What he was really saying is you've got to get your thoughts focused on an energy, a strength, a power, a provision that is outside of yourself, higher than yourself. And let that come in, but then also let what is in here come from within so that your cup runneth over. 
because it's coming in this way because you have an understanding and acknowledgement of what has been provided for you and it's coming this way because you have accepted and received who you have become and who you are and when those two begin to flow, I believe we have joy in all its fullness. Father, I pray in this place tonight that every heart, every life, every being, every person will find the joy that runs over, that I believe comes because you have created within us, brought into our world, and given through yourself, by your love and kindness, a place that we can find our centeredness, so that joy that is beyond our understanding can be our portion. Help us to cultivate that joy. Help us to find that joy. Help us to set our mind in the right place, so that as our mind is set in the right place, joy will explode from us, and our lives will be all that you wanted them to be. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.